Well, good morning, everyone. It's a real joy to be with you. And uh, got visitors from Brazil and from South Wales and Leicestershire, so you really are doing really well today. Um, I bring greetings from Living Rock Church and from uh, all of the team there, all of the elders and their wives, and also from David and Deborah, have specifically asked that I bring you their greetings and send you their love. And they are meeting this morning, spending time worshiping together. And isn't it a joy just to be able to regather again? I'm still enjoying the fact that we can do this. I'm so glad we're not all sitting at home looking at a TV screen, but actually we can meet in person. And it's such a blessing. And just to say, though, if you are watching at home, don't be condemned. But it is really good to be here if you can be here. And uh, uh, I, I'm a pastor at Living Rock Church. I'm one of the leaders there, one of the elders in the church, and I'm a, a, a pastor to, to the churches, and it's great to be able to come and share with you and be with you, and to do a double header, to come up on a Sunday and then come back up, that wonderful A50 M6 combo, M58, all the way back to, and it is actually sunny Southport. I got here this morning, and I went to the Esplanade to see if the sea was in or not. It was not in, no. It'll be in later, okay. I'll go and have a look later. It's always low tide. It's always low tide. Okay. I'm just going to pray and uh, commit our time because I have a wonderful privilege of sharing about life in the Spirit this morning, talking about life in the Spirit. So, Lord, we want to thank you for the time that we've had already worshiping you. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us, that you're in us, and that you're with us. We've already acknowledged your presence, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just still our hearts again. We say you're the breath. You're the breath that brings life. You're the breath that sustains us. You're the breath that refreshes and restores and heals and redeems. You're the breath, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you for your precious spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd speak to us today, that you'd minister into our lives, that you'd get really specific with us, really practical with us, Holy Spirit, that we leave this place with something new to take and apply in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I get to talk about the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit, the member of the Godhead who's at work in the earth, and he's here in this room with us this morning. Who here has experienced something of the Holy Spirit? If you could just give me a wave. If you've experienced something of the Holy Spirit, give me a little wave. Tickle the angels. Don't be shy. Okay. Now then, can anybody think about anything that specifically that you've experienced? So what I'd like you to do is turn to the person next to you, and I'd like you to share with them anything specific that you've experienced when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So if you've waved and said, I've experienced the Holy Spirit, can you please tell somebody next to you what it is exactly that you've experienced? It might just be one thing, but that's okay. So just going to give you a second to do that. So make sure the person looks smiley, smiley, not smelly, and just see if they've got anything to say about experiencing the Holy Spirit. Is anybody feeling brave to shout out something that somebody has said that they've experienced? Yeah. 
What was that? Peace. Peace. Does anybody else experience the peace of the Holy Spirit? Fantastic. What happened 10, 15 minutes ago? Your back's been healed in the last 10 to 15 minutes. That's hot off the press, experiencing something of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? John. Okay, so we've got a lot of backs getting better. As a physiotherapist, qualified physiotherapist, I'm going to say, I'm just going to refer everybody to this room, okay, with low back pain. You've seen other people healed. Fantastic. Is anybody here with a bad back that still hasn't quite settled down yet? Let's just pray. In fact, if, you, if you're here and you've experienced that, would you, mind, would you mind just going over and praying with this lady? Because now you've got fresh faith for healing because you've experienced it in your back. So, Lord, we just pray for healing to come right now. Lord, that that spine would be restored in the name of Jesus. We just bind pain and stiffness and limited movement, Lord, and whatever it is that's going on right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd minister health and strength to this wonderful lady's body, to her back, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? What, what other things have we experienced? Peace, lots of healed backs. So you've known the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Has anybody here felt the Holy Spirit speak to them? Has anybody here admitted that to a person who's not a Christian? Are we as bold to talk about how the Holy Spirit has spoken to us to non-Christians as we are to Christians, to non-believers as we are believers? Or are we afraid that they might think that maybe we're a little bit strange? Well, guess what? It's too late for that, okay? It's too late for that stuff. Anything else? Anybody else want to shout out one other thing? Laughter. Laughter. Not today, though, but in the past. Has anybody here laughed as a result of the feeling of the, the Holy Spirit overwhelming them with joy? Isn't that great? Do you know what? I, I would love the laughter. I get the tears. Is anybody a tear person? I mean, I, cried, I cry in meetings more than I laugh in meetings, way more. Um, but then I am a bit of a crier. I went to see Top Gun Maverick the other week. And I, I had to wait for the end credits to finish before my eyes dried enough for me to leave the cinema, leave that darkened room. But the Holy Spirit, has he ever impacted our emotions? Yes. The Holy Spirit is the person who wants to touch and impact every part of our lives. Our physical bodies, our minds, our emotions, everything that makes us us, the Holy Spirit wants to touch he wants to minister to. He wants to interact with. And I've personally experienced many of these things that you've described. I had a condition called ankylosing spondylitis. It's a degenerative condition of the spine that means that it never gets better. I had a consultant rheumatologist do all sorts of tests on me, and he said, this is incurable. And you know what it is. You're a, as I've said, I, I was a trained, I'm a trained physiotherapist. I knew that, that was the, there was no hope for me from a medical point of view, but God has healed my back. Praise God. I can do this. I couldn't run. I couldn't do all sorts. I used to walk into a... How's your back? Brilliant. Praise God. Fantastic. I used to go in and visit a patient when they used to come and see me, and I kind of lower myself into my seat 
It's not very encouraging when your physiotherapist limps in to see you. But you know what? I, I don't need to say this already. The, 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 the proof of the presence of the Holy Spirit is life. And a primary sign of life is breath. God wants us to be a people where there are always signs of life. My wife, Sarah, um, John Sutton Smith, always tells me off for not bringing, me with, bringing her with me. I will bring her again, I promise. Um, she's a children's nurse. And a few years ago, she decided to do some first aid training for parents and carers of children. So it's specifically first aid directed at children. And I remember when she was coming up with this concept of a business, and we were coming up with names. I really liked the name First Compressions Count. I thought that was quite a nice name. But we ended up going with First Hand First Aid. But because of that, you end up learning the key things about first aid. And what's the first thing? If you find somebody collapsed on the floor, what is the first thing that you check for? Breathing. Breath is the proof that someone is alive. Is that? That's not rocket science, is it? And we've been singing it this morning. It's your breath in our lungs. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the holy breath. He's the ruach of the Old Testament. He's the pneuma of the New Testament. He's the breath that was hovering over the waters in Genesis 1, just waiting for the word Let there be, and he went. He's the one who, when Adam was formed, God, it says in Genesis 2, verses 7, 8, 9, God starts to compress the earth together. The first time God seems to get his hands involved is in creating us. And he puts his hands, and all of a sudden, he creates this most beautiful trip hazard. Because that's all he is. He's just a lump of clay, beautiful, stunning, an Adonis, no belly button, perfect. God created him. But it's only when he did what? Breathed into his nostrils. And as soon as he breathes, Adam comes to life. And in that moment, we see exactly how it is that we are to live as humanity with the breath of God in our bodies. And we know that with the fall, spiritual death came in, eternal death came in, physical death was, was, was going to become known, and God began a process of restoring a way to put his breath back into his people, back into us. God wants to breathe into us. I love the fact that in creation, you have the will of the Father, the word of the Son, and the wind of the Spirit working together. In, um, in, in Psalm 33, verse 6, it says, the Lord merely spoke, there's the word, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and the stars were born. And then he breathed into Adam. And in the same way, in John 20, 22, the resurrected Jesus comes into the room with his disciples, and he does what? He breathes on them. And he says, receive who? Not what, but who? The Holy Spirit. And then he said this, and by the way, guys, don't go anywhere, because I'm going in a bit, because we all know Jesus as well. She said, I'm going now in a minute, but you stay by there, because I'm going to come by you. Jesus said, just wait. Wait in Jerusalem. And he goes, and 10 days they wait, and at day 50, after his resurrection, Pentecost, who comes in power? 
the Holy Spirit comes and he fills the upper room. And this isn't like the filling that happened before. This isn't the filling that Gideon experienced. This isn't the filling that Joshua experienced. This isn't the filling that Othniel experienced or David experienced. Those were temporary fillings. This was a filling that was going to come and the Holy Spirit was going to come and dwell in the life of men and women who were redeemed by Jesus Christ. Did you know that as soon as you are born again, as soon as you give your life to Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. Can you give me a wave if you've given your life to Jesus? If you're born from above, you're born again. You've got the Holy Spirit. And then I believe Dave shared, was it last week or a few weeks ago, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When you're born again, you get the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, He gets you. You get Him, and then you're baptized in the Spirit, and guess what? He gets you. He fills us. He empowers us. He enables us to live the Christian life. I find it amazing, you know, that Jesus waited to be anointed by the Holy Spirit before he began his earthly ministry. That as John the Baptist baptizes him, it's as Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism that who descends like a dove? The Holy Spirit. It seems to me this kind of picture from the flood. You know when the earth was flooded and cleansed and washed, and God said, that's good now. And it's the dove that sort of shows the approval of God. And in the same way, when the sun comes through the waters of baptism, the the Holy Spirit descends like the dove to show the favor of God. And God says, there he is. There he is. He's my son. I'm so pleased with him. I'm so pleased to be with him. And Jesus went full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was adamant that he would go full of the Holy Spirit. He's adamant that we go full of the Holy Spirit. 2,000 years ago, I'm so glad that the Father and the Son sent the Spirit to fill the church, to fulfill a promise, the promise of Joel, Joel 2, that he will fill everyone with his Spirit, that he'll baptize all with his Holy Spirit. And I think we know this already, but I just want to reinforce this point, okay? The Holy Spirit is not a force, Okay? He is not a dove. He appeared like a dove, but he's not a dove. He's not water, but he's referred to as living water. We've heard about that this morning. He's not a cloud, but he might appear as a cloud. He is a person. He can be lied to. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, Peter says, why do you lie to the Holy Spirit? He can be resisted. Stephen stands up in Acts 7, and he preaches the best Bible overview you could ever hear, and he says this, you have grieved, resisted the Holy Spirit, you stiff-necked people. He can be grieved. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by the way that you live, that we can live in a way that brings grief to him. He's a person. He's the author. All Scripture is what God breathed. His breath inspires the writers, inspires the pages of our Bible. It breathes into our lives today. And he can be blasphemed. Why? Because he is God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equally God. Three persons. And the Holy Spirit is here with us. And he wants to give us the power to live the Christian life. He wants to give you and I the power to live the Christian life. In a, in a couple of weeks' time, it'll be our eldest son, Isaac. He turns 17. His birthday's in July. And uh, we, when, when, when Isaac was three, 
we decided, my wife and I decided that we didn't want lots of plastic toys to make a lot of noise for his birthday. We wanted to get something substantial, so we asked all the family members to give some money so we could build him a playhouse, a wooden playhouse on stilts at the bottom of the garden. Doesn't that sound great parenting? We don't want toys that he can play with in the house. We want to build him a house over there that he can play in away from us. So anyway, we, we ordered this, this house. Money came in and we, we ordered this house. And the day before his birthday, this package arrived. And I kind of imagined the house coming as a house, but it wasn't. It was flat packed. And I am terrible at DIY. I am awful. All I know is there's a spanner. A spanner it's not a spanner, is it? A screwdriver with a flat bit. That's one type of screwdriver. And there's another one with a plus bit. That's it. That's all I've got. So all this stuff's arrived. We take it down to the bottom of the garden, and I'm left with all of these bits of wood and some diagrams and screws, and I'm there to build it. And his birthday is tomorrow. Even if it was a year tomorrow, I still wouldn't have had it built, I don't think. And I'm there in the sun. It's the 12th of July. It's scorching hot, and I'm putting this thing together, and it's taking forever. And Sarah looks out of the kitchen window. She takes pity on me. She takes pity on our son, and she decides to call her grandfather. And her grandfather is a fantastic carpenter. Okay, he's the kind of guy who whittles staircases out of branches. He's just amazing with wood. And he turns up with his toolkit, and I'm standing there sweating. I've been working for about three hours, and I've managed to get two stilts and a piece of wood joined together. And uh, he sort of looks at me and sort of takes pity on me, sort of despises me, and... All of a sudden, he gets a drill out of his case. And I'm like, Tony, I know about the minus one and I know about the plus one, but we don't need to drill anything. There's already holes in here. And then he showed me something amazing, that that drill can be used, you've guessed it, as a screwdriver. And so I'm there putting these screws in. And Tony's doing this. Zit, 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 zit. And in no time at all, this house is built. And the house was there, and it was ready, and I'm drinking my glass of squash in celebration. And this house looks amazing. And I stood next to Tony, and I thought, you know what? We were both building the same thing. We were both following the same instructions. We were both doing it for the same person who we love. The only difference between Tony and me was that he had power, and I didn't. And you know what, for us as believers, we might be following the same thing, we might be serving the same person, love the same Jesus, building the same thing together, but the difference between some and others is we, some of us have power and some of us don't, and we'll have power when we have the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in our lives. Why would we get all sweaty and work, work hard and strive when the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to live the Christian life? Did you know holiness isn't a standard, it's a person? If you want to be holy, let the Holy Spirit fill you. It's not following rules. It's about letting the person of the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and following him and doing what he says. He's the person who brings the best gifts, the best fruit. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he doesn't come lacking anything that he's come into somebody else's life with. We don't look for manifestation of gifts. We look for a manifestation of the Spirit. Because when the Spirit comes, He knows exactly what's needed. It's wonderful to hear about words of knowledge. You know, a word of knowledge unlocks a situation. It tends to unlock faith for people. I remember once a guy in the meeting back at Living Rock Church, he stood up 
And he said, I've, I've, I've had a picture from the Holy Spirit. I, I have a picture of a lady, and she's going through her old wardrobe. And as you're going through your wardrobe, you came across a red dress. And you haven't worn the red dress for years. And on the left-hand side of the red dress was a brooch. And the brooch was given to you by your mother, and you thought you'd lost the brooch. And when you found the red dress and you found the brooch, you realized you'd found something precious. God's got a message for you. Well, sure enough, a lady called Sue was in the meeting. And she came forward and, uh, to, to Stefan, and she said, that's me. And he said, the message is simple. Just as precious as that brooch was to you, so you are precious to God. You're not lost. He knows exactly where you are, and you are totally precious to him. Now, isn't it wonderful to go up to somebody and say, you're precious before God. God really loves you. He really values you. But how about that backstory? To say, not only does God think you're precious, he knew exactly what you were doing yesterday. He knew exactly how you feel, felt when you found that brooch, how precious that was to you. And now he wants to reinforce his love for you by using that story to say, you're precious to me. These words of knowledge are there to bring life. They're there to instill faith. A young man called Ben Morris in the church with us um, was in a meeting three years ago. And Kerry Jones, so those who know Kerry Jones, Kerry was preaching. And Kerry said, nobody is leaving this meeting today without a word from God if you don't want it. And as he sat in his seat, Ben just said to the Holy Spirit, I need a word. I've not had a word yet. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he just said this, I'll never leave you on a sinking ship. So, okay, that's good. It wasn't a mariner. It wasn't a reference about boating. It was a reference about work. He said, you'll always be blessed in your work. I'll never leave you on a sinking ship. Within a few uh, months of that time, he got a job. And it was a job that was a really top-level job with the business. Just a young man, Ben. Ben was just a young man at the time. And he said he felt like Joseph, where he'd gone from working for the prison for working for the prime minister. It was that kind of level of, of, of jump forward. But he knew the favor of God in it. And while he was in this job... He put an investment into the business because he felt that was the right thing to do. Well, he left the investment and carried on working, kept getting promoted. And then finally, he felt God say to him, it's time for you to leave this, this role, this, this business. And it wasn't just that Ben heard it. About six other people in varying ways brought a word to Ben about his job and about God moving, moving him on. And here's the wonderful thing. As a pastor, can I just say this? Here's the wonderful thing. Before he quit his job... He came and he brought those words to the elders. Such a blessing. And he said, I believe this is what God is saying. It's a leap of faith. I don't have anything to go into, but I believe that God has spoken to me about never leaving me on a sinking ship. These words have come that it's time to move on. He was flying to Barcelona. He was in, he was in Spain most of the week. He was traveling a lot. It was taking a toll on his, on his, on his life, um, although it was a really prestigious job, and he was serving the kingdom of God in that place. And we felt it was the right thing to give it up. So he gave up the job. Within about six months, the company basically unraveled. And he lost his investment. He found out about uh, three months ago that he'd lost his investment in that business. However, the new job that he's in, a week after he'd heard he lost his investment, his boss called him into the office and he said, when you started, we put some of your, um, your, your, your bonus into shares. And just to let you know this, you've got this many shares. And Ben added it up, and he realized it was exactly the same amount that he'd lost in the investment that he'd had in the previous business, except that he misheard his boss, 
and he didn't realize how the stocks had grown, and actually, he was now six times, he'd got six times the investment that he'd lost in the previous business. Why did he know the blessing of God? Because he listened to the Spirit of God, because he followed God's order, because he was willing to obey and submit to the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, God wants us to always live our lives full of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you need to come into the fullness of Christian birth by being baptized in water and being filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there's a danger for us if we don't come into the fullness that God has for us. But I want to say this, there's also a danger if you've been a Christian a long time and you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you're not constantly being filled. Isn't there, has anybody got to the point where you kind of think, I've been a Christian now for 42 years. I think I've got this Christian thing down. I think I'm all right now. Holy Spirit, you were great. Great set of stabilizers. You know, early doors when I was a bit wobbly. But I've got it now. I'm good. I know how this works. Lord, never let that be the case. We need the Holy Spirit from start to finish and everything in between. But there, is, there are times when we can know a dryness. There are times when we don't look to Him in the same way. There are times in my life when I'm not drawn on the Holy Spirit. I know I have, and I look back and I think, I've tried to do this by myself. And usually I realize it at a point where I'm absolutely worn out. You know when Jesus says this, are you tired and weary and heavy, heavy laden? It's like, you're probably doing it all in your own strength. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to tell you off. No, come to me and lay your burden with me and I'll put my yoke on you because my yoke, it's easy. My burden, it's light. I'll refresh you. We've had the word this morning that came through Graham, John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. And then John very helpfully adds in brackets, by this he was talking about who? The Holy Spirit. I just ask you just to sit for a moment, just to close your eyes for a moment. If you feel burdened, if you feel a bit or very burnt out, if you feel dry, just, just take this moment. It's got nothing to do with me. In the nicest possible way, it's not really got nothing to do with anyone else. It's Jesus who comes. He's the one who fills us. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm thirsty. Jesus, I'm thirsty. And he'll say this, then come to me. Just receive, drink, and you'll know that freshness. Holy Spirit, I ask that those rivers of living water as we've already heard about this morning, my brothers and sisters in this room, in my own life, Holy Spirit, just ask that fresh rivers of living water would flow right now from within. That fresh rivers of living water would flow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, we thank you for yesterday, but Lord, we're saying today, let there be freshness in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done before, but today, 
asking that you minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The supernatural Christian life, the kingdom of God, is righteousness, peace, and joy when you try really hard. <laughs> righteousness, peace, and joy every Sunday because you've had a good time of worship. Now it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you want to overflow with hope, Romans 15, be full of the Holy Spirit. How are we filled with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, encouraging one another? I have felt freshly filled this morning, worshiping in this place. I fresh, felt freshly filled as we, especially as we sang that last song together. You just tell that everybody was just in that. We got behind those songs because we're declaring something about who God is and about who the Holy Spirit is, that we build ourselves up. You know, God wants us to be a supernatural people. God wants you, wants me, he wants us to be supernatural. By supernatural, I do not mean super spiritual. God doesn't want us to be pie in the sky when you die. God wants us to be steak on a plate while you wait, okay? It's not about being flaky or kooky or weird. It's not about being super spiritual. It's not about, um, you know, John makes it very clear. If your brother's in need and he needs a coat, don't just say, I'll pray for you. If you've got two, give him a coat. That's life in the spirit. It's not about being super spiritual. But it is about knowing that the Holy Spirit will fill us and he will move. It's not about being superstitious. I can't say superstitious without thinking of Stevie Wonder. Anybody else have that? Very superstitious. Okay. We're not superstitious. Where we kind of have this weird view of, of cause and effect, and that our Bible becomes a bit of a lucky charm. I want a bit of luck today, so I better read my Bible. But maybe not when I'm walking under a ladder. Or a cross becomes like a bit of a, a rabbit's foot, or all this weird stuff. No. We're not to be super spiritual. We're not to be superstitious. You know, the good and evil are not on a par. That God is great. God is greater than everything else. That we're not to be superficial, where everything is on our terms. Because a life in the Spirit means that we will do things that we don't really, necessarily, really, ever, particularly want to do. But as we listen to the Holy Spirit, God comes through in those times. Oftentimes, life in the Spirit means we overcome our flesh. How many people served yesterday in the event? Of the, how many maybe got up yesterday morning and thought, actually, I'd rather stay in bed a bit longer. Actually, I'd rather go and do something else. Actually, I'd rather watch a box set on Netflix. Somebody have that on a Sunday morning. Then we have that when somebody else is in need. But actually, life in the Spirit means we overcome those things because there's nothing superficial when you're supernatural. But we overcome those things. It's not about being, praise God, super serious. Dour, dry, dusty. The more spiritual you are, the more you frown. No. He's the spirit of joy. He's the spirit of peace. We've already heard about it today. We are supernatural. We are the body of Christ. In fact, we're the only body of Christ that's rocking around on this planet there isn't another body of Christ. He's chosen to do it through us, the church, that are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the temple that are being fitted together, living stones that he fills with his Holy Spirit. 
That is what God is calling us to be. Look around the room at the moment and recognize that there are stones, living stones, that you are joined with. And as a result of your joining, the Holy Spirit is filling this place with His life, with His Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? We're a supernatural people. How does God, how does the Holy Spirit, who's, who's known the Holy Spirit speak to them? Just give me a wave if you feel Everybody's afraid now to put their hand up because they know you're going to have to say something to the person next to you about it. But Would you mind just for a minute, would you mind just talking to somebody next to you about how you've known God speak to you? Would that be okay? Just if you feel like you've known God speak to you, how that's kind of presented itself to you. Just take a minute to just chat with the person next to you and say, this is how God has spoken to me in the past. Okay. Does anybody want to shout out something that somebody has said or maybe you've said where they've indicated how God has spoken to them? Anybody? Yes, Keith. Okay. So, God spoke to you at the same time. That's handy, isn't it? Yeah that you were right for each other, and that you, you should pursue a relationship, is that right, and get married? Wow, amazing. How, but how did God speak to you? In what way did that, did you know he was speaking to you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Before she was your wife. Yeah. And... So you, you, went, you were in separate rooms, you asked God to speak to you about if this was right, you both felt, and, and, but then what, what, how did God speak to you? How did you know that it was the right thing? It, what was it that you felt was God speaking to you? Can you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to draw? Okay. Was it an audible voice? Was it a thought? No, although God does have a Welsh accent, so, yeah. 
Okay, so, but oftentimes God will speak to us when we ask the question. One of the things I love about Habakkuk is he's, he's looking at what's going on, but he's, he's like, at least he's asking God, and he's saying, are you not seeing this? It's carnage. And these, these terrible people seem to be winning, and, and Lord, it's, it's, it's awful. What's going on? Oh, by the way, I'm going to come now, and I'm going to go up, and I'm going to listen to what you have to say. God can work with that. He's very happy to listen to our complaints as long as we're willing to listen to his answers. So you had a question, you spoke to God about it, and you felt God speak to you, a confirmation, and when you had that thought, that, that view, you had a peace then that, yeah, this is right. Can anybody relate to that, something like that in their own lives? Okay, how else has God spoken to you? Anybody else got a different way where you've known God speak to you, Adam? Yeah. So you were singing a hymn at home, cleaning, cleaning the bathroom. That's very important that we have clean bathrooms. It's kingdom living. And then in in that process, you heard an audible voice of God saying, I'm with you. Isn't that amazing? Wow. I bet you'll never forget that memory. That's the other thing. It stays with us. You know when God speaks to us, it sticks. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it sticks. Anybody else, how God has spoken to you, Dave? Reading the Bible? Does that work? (laughs) Absolutely. Reading the Word? Yeah, 100%. Anybody had a dream? And God's spoken to you in a dream. I'm always really jealous of the dreamers. It's like the laziest way to hear God ever, isn't it? (laughs) Lord, I want you to speak to me now. (sighs) And He does. Or anybody had a vision? Seen something? Karen, yeah? Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. So you asked God to confirm this was the right church for you, and he spoke to you in a way that you felt, that's it. If God appears in a cloud in sunny Southport, you know it's God. <laughs> you know, for me, I, I, that's fantastic. I, I, I think the most clear times for me, are, I've 100% been when I've been crying out to God and talking to God about things. And usually it's when things aren't going well, which is on me, by the way. <laughs> But I only seem to talk to God more when things aren't going well than when they are. But in those times, I've just, you know when you, your, your mind's going somewhere and you're praying and you're processing something, and then all of a sudden something cuts across from left field, and it, it, it's relevant, and it's sharp, and you just know this is God speaking. There, there was a time when I was 21, I recommitted my life to God, and I realized I'd wasted two years of my life not following Him the way that I should. And as I'm, as I'm repenting and, and saying sorry to God, I've already, already done it, he just said this, I'll restore you. And I knew in that moment, he, was gonna, he said, I'm going to treat you like you followed me for the last two years. You're not going to lose anything. And I just felt the incredible grace of God towards me that was, made me love him even more. Not that he'd forgiven me, but he'd restored what I had wasted. He said, I will restore you. 
I remember when um, I started Bible school and we took a, um, a I, I'd stopped working. My wife had just stopped studying to work, and there was a month gap where I thought money was going to come in that didn't come in, and there was a whole month's pay missing. And I cried out to God, and God just said this, who's your provider? And I just said, Lord, it's you. And within two hours, the money that was missing, 1,400 pounds, came in miraculously. As Sarah came home from her father and had found that there was an investment that he'd made, she wasn't supposed to hear about it, and he was willing to give her the money, and it covered our month's living expenses for that month perfectly. There are times when I've, I, I, was, I was mourning my best friend's death. He died of stomach cancer at the age of 24, born again, faithful young man, and I was crying out to God, and God just said this, do you trust me? And that's all he said to me in that moment. And I said, Lord, I trust you. And immediately I felt his peace. It seems to me God only ever speaks to me in four words. I think he knows I've got quite a short attention span and I'm a very lazy reader. But God speaks to us and he, and he, and he shows us that he's with us. Now, I don't know what people are facing in this room this morning, but I just want to pause, kind of pull this together and, and close this time. But Dave, would you mind just playing something on the guitar? Do you know Spirit of the Living God? The old one. Yeah. The old one. They're usually the best ones, aren't they? To be fair. Does anybody know the song, Spirit of the Living God? We used to sing Fall Afresh on me, but I'd like to sing Flow Afresh through me. Spirit of the Living God, flow afresh through me. Fill me anew, fill me anew. Spirit of the Lord, flow afresh through me. I just want to pray right now that as we um, sing this song together, that we just have this fresh encounter again with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say this. If you're here today and you need a breakthrough, it might be for wisdom in a situation. It might be that you have been praying for somebody and you've lost hope. In fact, I believe there's somebody here. You've been praying for somebody for salvation and you've lost hope. I just want to read you this, Romans 15. Romans 15. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's John 15, 17. That as you sing this song and you engage with the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you fresh hope. That if you need wisdom, he's going to give you wisdom. That if you need faith for something, he's going to impart faith because that's what he does. And so far too often we try and do it in our own strength. We try and get on with things. And all we need to do is come to him again. Come to Jesus and drink. And out of us will flow rivers of living water. Can I ask we just stand together? So we're going to sing this song. This is the last thing that I'm going to ask us to do today. I'm looking forward to coming back on, on Wednesday to share on uh, speaking in tongues which, by the way, is a fantastic way to be filled. Just ask again, if you just close your eyes for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you today. That, Jesus, you're here with us right now by your Spirit. Lord, we just open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. We open our lives to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in us right now, that you're with us. 
And Lord, as we engage right now in worship and in honoring you, Holy Spirit, and in honoring Jesus together, just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would flow afresh, that there wouldn't be any of those blockages, but that, Lord, that you'd move and you'd refresh and you'd bring wisdom and you'd bring hope and you'd bring peace and you'd bring joy, self-control, goodness and kindness and power and all of the things that you bring. I pray that you'd minister those things to us just as we need them, Lord, as we surrender ourselves to you.